Are you looking to modernize your veterinary practice by offering virtual care to pet owners? Fortunately, there's an easy solution from the podcast sponsor, Medici. That's M-E-D-I-C-I. Medici is a telehealth solution built for veterinarians. I've made it easy to check out Medici with a link in the show notes, or you can head over to their website, medici.md, or call 512-967-6454 to learn more. Medici lets you text, call, and video chat with clients with their easy-to-use app. Send or receive images and videos of pets, stay VCPR compliant, and get paid, which is always a wonderful thing, for delivering convenient care right from your phone. Hi, this is Dr. Aaron Smiley, and I've offered telemedicine to my clients since I started. In 2017, I integrated paid telemedicine with Medici. Ready to go virtual? Visit Medici.md, that's M-E-D-I-C-I dot M-D, or call 512-967-6454 to learn more. And with that, here's the show. Welcome to the Veterinary Success Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Douglas. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Robert Trimble, who's the Executive Director of the Veterinary Entrepreneurship Academy. He is a U of I alumni and previous co-founder of Fuzzy Pet Health. Dr. Trimble, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. First and foremost, your wife was a previous guest. She was on episode three talking about telemedicine. And I know that that is even bigger topic now than it was even when we were chatting before. But if you want to check out that conversation, she is in episode three. A little bit of your background, I think, is in that as well. But I think a great place to start with today's conversation is kind of the history and mission of VEA or the Veterinary Entrepreneurship Academy. And that will kind of help set the discussion for where we'll go and chat from there. Yeah, Isaiah, happy to highlight some of the backstory on how this program has evolved. Right around the time that I was starting at Fuzzy, uh, back in 2016, the VEA was also getting started. The Academy was really just a student program that was bubbling up out of Texas A&M. Uh, they recognized that their students weren't getting a lot of business exposure. They weren't getting many opportunities to try and blend the world of veterinary medicine with the world of business. And so they wanted to try and rectify that. They had a little pilot program in 2016, had five students. The next year, it grew to seven. The following year, they opened it up to other universities and it doubled up to 14. When I came on in January of 2019, we grew the program to 19 students. And then this year, we're settling in around 24 students who are going through the program. And these are veterinary students from all over the country. And again, the goal is to try and provide them a nice blend of a sort of academic or educational experience that blends some of the didactic material that's important to understand as you start diving into the business world, but also give them some contextual information and sort of some real world problems where they can apply that knowledge. One of the things that we really believe in at the Academy is some of the best learning opportunities come from when you can have an opportunity to learn the didactic material, but then also apply that to the real world. We look at the traditional educational model where you just sit in a class and a professor lectures to you for 50 minutes every day for eight hours. And we feel like that's only half of the equation. You know, you're getting all this information, but how do you use it? How do you make sense of it? How do you make sense of the real world and apply this information in that context? I mean, look at the world that we're in right now with COVID-19. Everything is changing. Everything, lots of things have been disrupted. You mentioned telemedicine earlier. Classic example of like an area or a facet of technology that has been greatly accelerated, especially in terms of its adoption within the veterinary community because of this disruption, because of this change. So a big piece that we're also trying to emphasize in the academy isn't just blending the didactic and the experiential, but also helping students understand how to make sense of the world 
when it's complex and it's ambiguous and you don't have the right information to make those decisions or you don't have all of the information you need, the complete information to make those decisions? How do you make decisions in the face of uncertainty? All of those things is what we're also trying to help students get a better feel for so they have a lot of confidence when they graduate and go out into the real world. One of the interesting things, and we've chatted a couple different times on VEA, but can you talk a little bit about the core elements of business that you do want to focus on and what you look for to kind of provide that advice and guidance and knowledge and training? Yeah, I think the best way to highlight this is to describe how the curriculum has changed over the past few years. So whenever we first started, we were providing the students a lot of information on practice ownership, management, things like what tax structure you want to choose for your business. HR issues, how to manage some of the fine details of running a practice. And while that's great information, and the students said, in general, this is helpful, some of the feedback we got was that that information was a quarter inch deep and a mile wide. We got a lot of information, but we don't really have a super solid foundation upon which to apply that information, right? It was one of those things where I might be able to use this information someday when I become a practice owner, but what do I do with it right now? And so when I came on in 2019, we were looking at the curriculum and some of that feedback and we thought, is there a way that we can change this such that instead of being a quarter inch deep and a mile wide, we go really deep in the fundamentals such that after this program, the students can go anywhere in the world and talk with anybody associated in business, whether it be a business owner or an employee, but be able to have a conversation with that person and understand the issues that they're facing and to be able to come up with creative solutions to some of those problems. And so we moved away from providing a ton of information that's quarter inch deep and a mile wide and shifted our curriculum over to really focusing on a framework that's called the Business Model Canvas, or BMC for short. It's really just an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper that has nine boxes that are sort of contained within it. And they cover what we would consider to be the nine core elements of the things you need to be thinking about when you're either wanting to start a new business or if you're wanting to start a new product or service line within an existing business. Basically, anytime you're trying to do something innovative, something new, where you're challenging the status quo, how do you get started? What are the things you really need to make sure that you've thought through before you take the first step? How do you take the first step? That's the things we're trying to help the students understand through this program. Yeah. The interesting thing we talked about, too, is how so many veterinarians, when they get through school, they have such a narrow focus on where their skill set can be applied and contributed in their career. Can you talk a little bit about the conversations or the way the program is developed to help broaden the scope of what someone thinks they can do? Because I go back to the canvas idea of where do you get started and all these different things, just giving them the knowledge to understand hey, I can go do this, I can solve these problems, but I don't need to necessarily understand every fine detail behind that. Like you did prior, where you're talking about like entity structure and all that other important stuff, but maybe they don't need to be the experts there. They just need to be able to think creatively to problem solve and have more of the, I think we talked about like the knowledge or wisdom, critical thinking skills versus just the like, oh, I could Google and understand what that is. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I love about veterinarians is we're trained and we like to look at ourselves kind of as jacks of all trades. We're pharmacists, we're radiologists, we're surgeons, we're communicators working directly in line with clients, and we're managers, managers of practices and of people. And all of those are great skills to develop as sort of that jack of all trades. But if you're trying to go far and you're trying to go fast, you really need a multidisciplinary team. You can't do everything by yourself anymore, especially when the world's changing so quickly. And so some of the best teams that I see are those that are diverse, 
not just in sort of the things that we would think about immediately in terms of diversity in terms of color or race or sex or anything like that, but more in terms of diversity of thought and diversity of talent in terms of what they can do, what their skill sets are. I saw this at Fuzzy where I was working with marketers and engineers, computer engineers. They're building programs and coding all day. And they're trying to build products. And like I said, we're building an app to try to help pet owners understand how to take better care of their pets. But the people that are building those tools don't necessarily have the veterinary perspective that I had. So as these multidisciplinary teams are building new products and trying to solve problems in creative ways, one of the most important things veterinarians can provide is that veterinary perspective. Because some of these teams that are building these tools, they don't even have that, which is kind of shocking when you think about it, right? That a team, a business team that is within the veterinary space and trying to innovate within the veterinary space doesn't have a veterinarian on staff or communicating with a veterinarian. But that's what we've seen. We've seen a lot of that. And why, right? Well, the veterinary space is pretty hot right now. There's a lot of money that's coming in externally, a lot of money coming in from people that don't have that veterinary perspective. And so that veterinary perspective is super, super valuable. And when I think about your question, why do veterinarians have that narrow focus on what they can do and what they can really contribute in their career? I just think back on what I experienced going through my education and what I've heard some of the other students that are coming through this program, what they've also told me. And throughout their education, most veterinarians are really only exposed to kind of the traditional routes where they can use that knowledge and apply their degree, right? When you think about it, it's like private practice, emergency, GP, we've got research and academia and government and industry, sort of the core big buckets there. But because of the space being so hot and a lot of different startups coming into the space and trying to make an impact, there's a ton of different opportunities to apply what I would consider the really great problem-solving skill set that the veterinarians have, that we have developed in our traditional economic routes. We've been trained on how to solve problems really, really well. We think about it in the context of medicine and the application of problem solving to medical issues. But one of the things that I love about this program is we teach these students, you can still use what you've learned in terms of the scientific method and that relative framework and just simply apply it to the world of business. And so we give students a lot of opportunities to see that come to light. Yeah, thanks for the overview. And I think about the conversation I had on the podcast with Stacy Purcell, who does a lot of recruiting in the space, talking about right now, being a veterinarian, there's probably never been a better time to have that skill set and training because there are so many different opportunities. And it's really interesting to hear, again, for me, being a non-DVM and seeing all this money from a financial perspective. There's reasons why consolidators are coming in. There's a reason why there's startup money. And I think even through COVID, it's been really interesting to see how many practices, and I've had a couple different conversations recently that there were some practices that in the month of May did better than they've ever done. And that to me is shocking to hear how well they've done and how they've adapted and changed procedures and policies and how they've interacted and how busy they are. And so, yeah, there is a lot of interest when you look out in the world of business at veterinary medicine to saying this is really robust. There's a huge demand. There's been a number of different studies just have shown like the growth of what pet care overall will be. It's really, really interesting to think about how else outside of daily, you know, traditional practice, what can you be doing? And how can Absolutely. you take, take that into the business realm? Absolutely. I think AVMA, and I'm not going to be able to quote it exactly, I haven't read it in detail yet, but she just told me about this report that the AVMA released on the impact of COVID-19 on veterinary practices. Really big survey that they just did in terms of trying to understand how COVID impacted veterinary practices broadly. They found out that most practices did suffer some. You're right, some did improve even through the face of COVID. 
But what they found, what Jess was just actually telling me over lunch here, was that if a practice was able to implement telemedicine when they needed to, right? Right when it was saying, okay, we can't have people coming into the clinic, what are we going to do? If they were able to rapidly turn on a telehealth solution and they were able to perform one appointment every half an hour, they would have completely eliminated the loss in revenue that they were experiencing due to COVID. And that tells me that if you have a team that is capable of adapting quickly and responding to the changing environments, you're more resilient as an organization. And I think COVID-19 has accelerated that thought or made that thought more prescient in the eyes or the minds of a lot of business owners out there. Because I'm getting business owners that are, and this is a relatively recent trend, but I'm getting business owners that are coming to me saying, look, we recognize that the students that are coming through this program think a little bit differently. We recognize some of the students that are coming out of this program they're not just good clinicians. They don't just understand how to solve problems from a medical perspective, but they understand how solving that problem fits within the context of running a business. And not only do they understand that they know how to apply that information and they know how to adapt and respond quickly. And so I think what we're also seeing here to your point around recruiting is we're getting a lot of people that are coming to us specifically for looking for veterinarians that are just like that because they know that's essential for surviving in the future that we're going into, this future of rapid change, this complex, ambiguous, and uncertain world that we're going into of the 21st century. So I agree. I think there's a shift in terms of the types of veterinarians that businesses are recruiting. And I think there's a little bit of a shift in terms of what we think about with education in terms of trying to provide an educational experience that helps prepare them for that real world. Yeah. And it made me think back to our couple of previous conversations before we recorded the podcast, you mentioned working on kind of a almost, I would say an ancillary like offering as well for just bringing some of the curriculum and ideas and process to those that are maybe already in the industry. Want to share a little bit about your thoughts there? I know it's not a fully baked idea, but it's in development from that standpoint. Absolutely. You know, one of the things we really talk a lot about in the student program is this concept of lean business model development, where instead of spending an exorbitant amount of time upfront developing a business plan or developing a new product or service and then releasing it out into the marketplace, it's much more about getting 80% of the way there, getting some assumptions down and going out into the market and talking with your potential customers and learning quickly and iterating quickly such that you develop a product that you know a customer segment would want. And we've also seen a lot of existing practitioners coming up saying, this is great that the students have this program. I wish I had it when I was going through veterinary school, but where's my program? I want to take this too. Um, Working some practices that are coming up and saying, we want you to help us build almost our internal educational platform or like internal educational suite so that we can actually train the veterinarians that we bring into our team in this way so that they're more responsive, more able to respond to the changing environment. So I hear you and I hear the veterinarians that are out there who are wanting a program like this. And this is something we're actively working on right now. One of the things that's accelerating this on our end, we just had a lot of students, not who are in the actual summer internship program that we're running right now, but a lot of other students that came up and were reaching out to us saying, look, my summer plans were disrupted due to COVID-19. I still want to make it valuable summer. I want to learn something. Can you put together a quick program for me? Even if I can't take an internship, is there a way that you can give me that content that these students are going through and are learning? And one of the things we're actually working on right now is building that content for them putting together podcasts, video, short video lessons, providing that didactic training that we were talking about earlier and sort of rethinking about how we can provide that experiential component without needing to do that internship. 
so for students, it makes total sense how we can do something like that. But for existing practitioners, that's our next step, is once we've built this program this summer for the students, our next step, probably toward the end of this year, would be to build a similar type of program for existing practitioners so that they can get the benefit from that as well. So that they can learn the didactic sort of understanding of the fundamentals of business and entrepreneurship and how to grow a new idea, but also apply that to the real world. It's not just the knowledge, it's the application of that knowledge. So I want to make sure we provide that for the existing practitioners that are out there too. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. I know I kind of put you on the spot a little bit because it is hard to talk about something as you're still trying to develop it and you're getting a lot of feedback. And Well, I just told the students yesterday in class that if you don't start talking about your idea, how are you going to develop it? How are you going to get feedback from the market? And how are you going to learn if you don't open up and talk about it? So this is exactly one of the very exercises that we do in class. Tell me about a business idea that you've had in your head for the last couple of years. Open up and talk about it and respond to one of the other students who's sharing their idea. So we work on opening up and talking about it. And you can't take it back and not offer it now because you're on the record. So we got you. At this point, you have to go out and have something done (laughs) because you're going to have accountability where I'm going to be like, hey, Robert, where's this at? What are you thinking? And that's a critical piece of it. I completely agree that there's so much demand and it's not a matter of, is there an intelligent audience that craves it? It's just, what's the right format to give the information out? And thinking about entrepreneurship and the different ways that that can morph and shape. And I feel like so many people are looking for the perfect set of information to then make them feel comfortable, ready to go. And you talked about like the MVP, you're Mm -hmm. bringing back that Bay Area lexicon from the viable product, right? Like, so you're not going to have all the information. You're never going to be 100% ready. If you wait till you have 100% of the information to launch something, you're probably going to be 90 years old and the world has passed you by. And so you have to be able to go out and say, this is what I'm going to do and adapt and so many different things that you're doing. I love it. It's going to be really cool to unleash really creative, smart people with the skill set that you and others have learned and see how the industry will change. And it doesn't have to mean that people are going to go and do something completely different outside of practice. It could just mean the interaction with patients and clients in the future is going to be so much different. And people are going to think about the experiences of the tools and technology that they interact with. I mean, we think about how we interact shoot, you can do so many different things from your phone and interact with people in so many different ways. And then you go into certain settings and it's like you're walking back in time 30 years ago. Like, why is it still that way? Yeah. Reid Hoffman, the co-founder of LinkedIn said that if you're not embarrassed by the first iteration of your product, you've launched too late because maybe the market has already shifted. And to your point, yeah, veterinary medicine, historically, we've been a little bit slow to change. But I think, like I said earlier, COVID-19, if anything else, it's accelerated that. It's become more obvious in the sort of consciousness of the general populace in veterinary medicine that, okay, this isn't just a nice to have anymore. Like having a team that can adapt and respond to change isn't a nice to have. It's an essential. It's a must have if we're truly going to survive, not just survive. People can survive in this world, but thriving is a different story. If you want to thrive as a business, you have to be able to build a team that can adapt and respond to change. And this is exactly what we're trying to do at the Academy, help people do just that. Is there any particular story, conversation that comes to mind that kind of outlines the success of the program? I know your role there is newer. The program in itself doesn't have a ton of history to where you can kind of go back in the archives and pull something out. But is there something, whether it's recent or in the, you know, somewhat? Got one. Got one. Immediately comes to my mind is, Actually, our last guest speaker was Dr. Aaron Wallace from Lacuna Diagnostics. When I think about the core elements of business that we focus on in the curriculum, we talked about the business model canvas a little bit and dealing with ambiguity and making decisions in the face of incomplete information and sort of applying all of those things that you're learning to real world situations and issues. 
Another piece that we also spend a lot of time on is storytelling. Storytelling. And you think, well, why are we talking about storytelling in a business class? But when you think about it, you use story everywhere. Whether you're trying to pitch your business and tell a potential customer why they should come to your practice, whether you're trying to convince an employee about why they should come and work at your practice, or if you're launching a new business and you're trying to seek out funding, right? Being able to tell a good story about where you see the vision of your company going, telling a really captivating story about the impact that you want to have. That's how you get investment is being able to convince a group of investors that not only would have a great idea, but it's going to be a great business, right? So blending all of those three things or four things together is something I've seen Dr. Aaron Wallace do really, really well. I remember he told me a time where he put together a business model canvas and that was his single slide of a pitch deck to just get up and talk to the core fundamentals of this new business that they're wanting to put together. And from my perspective, again, if investors know that the core fundamentals are solid, it makes those conversations a whole lot easier going forward. So I think what Aaron Wallace and their team has done at Lacuna Diagnostics is a great example of a success story. Aaron was a previous student through the Veterinary Entrepreneurship Academy. So he got some of that training as well, went out into the real world, applied that information to developing a new business. And now he's come full circle and he's coming back sharing some of the knowledge and wisdom that he's had with some of the students in class today. So I think that's one of the stories that jumps to my mind right away. Another great story, another success story, I would say is Brianna Boyle and Stephanie Young uh, out of Texas A&M. They are the co-founders of a company called SkyPause, which is an all-in-one vitals monitoring device that measures ECG, oxygen saturation, heart rate, respiratory rate, temperature, that sort of thing. It basically helps vets monitor their patients post-surgery and avoid some of those potential recovery complications. Brianna, for sure, was a previous VEA student. I think Stephanie, they teamed up together as part of the IDEA competition, which is another thing that we host. That's kind of like a shark tank married with a Y Combinator. For those of you who don't know, Y Combinator is kind of a startup accelerator program out of Silicon Valley. So it's a different program that we were running that blends those two things. But anyway, those two stories are probably that jumped to my mind in terms of success stories of students that have gone out and applied this information to the real world and have seen success as a result. That's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that. It makes me think of story brands. So Donald Miller, you know, yeah. he's basically built his whole entire marketing business and helped tons of business owners in all kinds of different industries, just the power of storytelling. And it is amazing as humans, how much we look towards storytelling. It's like the oldest thing out there since the dawn of human society. We've been telling stories and helping explain things through stories. You pass that down through generations. And yeah, so if you're able to clearly communicate with someone, regardless of the industry, and again, obviously we're focused in veterinary medicine, but you can take that anywhere with anything that you want to do. Yeah, I think that's a great book and a great person to follow to think about how to get better at, at telling stories. It is mm -hmm. Donald Miller, and I'll link that in the show notes. And he has a really good book around marketing that just came out as well. That's a really easy read. Yeah, listen to a couple of his podcasts. He's great. Yeah. Yep. And you talked about vision. So let's talk about vision, yeah. long-term VEA. And we touched on a little bit, and I kind of jumped ahead about some of the other things you're working on. But what do you see in the future? What does this morph into? And how do you continue to build the community? Because it seems again, in its infancy, in a way, but you're already having people that have gone through the program give back. And that just like an investment is going to compound on itself over time, which is really exciting to see. Yeah. So what is our purpose? What's our purpose as an organization, right? Let's start there. Our core purpose is to increase the level of innovation and entrepreneurship from within the veterinary profession. My uncle was a veterinarian practice owner. My wife, she had her aunt and uncle 
we're both practice-owned veterinarians. We've grown up in this world of veterinary medicine. It's been a part of our blood, but we're also seeing it change very, very quickly. And I think a lot of other veterinarians and practice owners and even just business owners are starting to recognize that as well. So I think for the future of the academy, what we're really thinking about is how do we open up this education and these educational opportunities that we know works well, that not just that we think works well, but what we've heard coming back from the students that have gone through the program and the rave reviews that we're getting, how do we open up that education to a broader section of the veterinary space? Not just to veterinarians, not just to even practicing veterinarians or business-owning veterinarians, but we're thinking even technicians, right? In this world of the future, you have to rely on everyone in your organization to be an engaged, contributing member because everyone has a different perspective on what reality is. Reality is relatively, in air quotes, relatively real, right? My reality that I experience is different than your reality. And I think from a leadership standpoint, if you can appreciate that you're not going to pick up all the information, you're not going to glean all of the sort of insights that you can do or that you can gain as a solo individual, but by tapping into that collective knowledge of your team, you have a better appreciation for what the world really looks like, right? The average reality. And so tapping into not just the engagements that's already there, but learning from a leadership and a management standpoint, how to get people to lean in, how to get them to engage even more, how to get them to feel comfortable providing their own two cents around how a process could be improved, right? Most of us, when you think about the way organizations have been built over the last 150 years, I mean, the listeners, they're not going to be able to see it on the podcast, but right to the next to me on the wall, I've got the very first organizational chart. It was the New York and Erie Railroad back in September of 1855. And basically, this chart shows the traditional org chart, the traditional pyramid, the very hierarchical pyramid. And don't get me wrong, that model has worked really, really well for 150 years when the business environment was stable, when it was predictable when you knew that it wasn't going to change very much. That model works really, really well. It's rigid and it's secure, but it's not very adaptable. And so we're working with 150-year-old technology in a completely different environment. So one of the big things we're trying to do for the future of the veterinary space is providing all of those people that think, man, there's got to be a better way of coming together and working. There's got to be a better way of engaging the people on the front line, the people who are on the front lines of our business and getting them to really lean in and contribute. Yeah, there is. It's just it requires a different form of leadership, different form of management, and different structures and practices to implement within your practice. And so that's another piece that we're trying to help provide some education around for the business owners out there is how do you as a leader start shifting in terms of the way that you engage with your team? It's a great point that old school organization chart and just trying to think about how things used to be done and how it's not flexible, but it also sometimes breeds a lack of innovation because people don't feel like they can move up that organizational chart or they feel stuck and they don't feel like there's a way for them to be empowered to make a change. And yeah, that definitely is changing in our society and our world today. So really interesting thought and comment there. How can someone, I mean, regardless who they are that is listening, obviously if they're still in school, you know, reach out and they can do that. But what are you looking for or how can someone get involved with VA, how does this grow and how can the community of veterinary medicine help support what you're doing, even if they don't get involved versus yeah. going through the coursework? Sure. The easiest way is to check out our website at vea.vet. That's vea.vet. A lot of information on there in terms of what we believe, what we're trying to accomplish, what our mission is and how we're doing it. You can also email us at info at vea.vet if you want to reach out to us directly. 
I'm more than happy to hop on a call or chat with anybody who's interested in what we're doing. I think the other thing that people can do if they want to learn more about it is reach out to some of our previous students. Listen to them. You don't have to take my word for it. Listen to the students. They're the ones that are benefiting from this. They're the ones that will tell you the truth from the very front lines, right? So I would say that's another way that people can reach out to get some more information on the program. Very cool. I was asking kind of the first year of the podcast about success since the podcast is around success, but I really wanted to kind of change the question. And the one that I'd like to ask you is what makes veterinary medicine great in your mind? The people. No hesitation. It's the people. These are some of the best people that I know out in the workforce. They're wholesome. They're heartful. They oftentimes, veterinarians, they lead with their hearts instead of oftentimes with necessarily with their head, especially around financial management of the practice. So I think it's the people, hands down. What's interesting, though, is as the profession is changing and as other types of people are entering the profession, now it's just like, how do we learn how to work with other individuals, right? How do we help the people who have been in this profession a long time start to learn how to work with other people and not just be jacks of all trades, but be a fantastic resource that's very deep in terms of animal health care, what the client experience should look like, and then blending that knowledge and that experience with the knowledge and experience of other people who have a diverse array of skill sets that can ultimately help you build a better business. Perfect. Well, I was going to ask where to send people. We've kind of talked about that already. Any closing thoughts, things you want to make sure that anyone listening understands? I would say just in general, the world is changing faster. It's becoming more complex. And in order to keep up with that pace of change and to keep up with the rising complexity, you have to be armed with a new set of frameworks and a new set of skill sets to be able to not just survive, but thrive in what I said earlier, that rapidly changing, the volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous world of the 21st century. And so I think if we can help a lot of veterinarians get to that point, then we will have reached our goal to help increase the level of innovation and entrepreneurship from within the profession, because we will have armed those veterinarians and the technicians and all the people that work in a veterinary practice with that skill set of being able to think in that new way and to behave in that new way and to ultimately be successful in that new world. Fantastic. I greatly, greatly appreciate the time, Dr. Trimble. Thank you for joining me and sharing what you're doing and what the future holds. It'll be extremely exciting to watch VA grow. And yeah, thank you. Good. Thank you enough, Isaiah. Thank you for having us on here and uh, looking forward to hearing the podcast. Thanks for listening to today's show. The comments made on today's show should not be taken as investment, tax, or legal advice. All comments are for educational purposes only. You should talk to your professional team before implementing anything. Isaiah is the founder of ID Financial Planning and Wealth Management. Isaiah is a registered investment advisor in the state of Indiana. The biggest compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend. Reviews help the show get found, and Apple Podcasts is a platform that is predominantly how people listen to the show. If you have three minutes, love the show, head over to Apple Podcasts and give us an honest review and rating. That'll help more people find the show. For all of today's links, and information, head over to the veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. There you can also subscribe via your favorite podcast platform so you won't miss another episode. Finally, if you'd like more information and insights and the ability to have your voice heard, please consider joining the private podcast Facebook group. You can search for the Veterinarian Success Podcast on Facebook or head over to the veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. Scroll down to the about your host and click on the Facebook icon. Then I can approve you, let you into the group, and would love to hear from you there. Thanks for listening, and I'll be talking again to you soon.